Well, this is Thanksgiving week, and we do hope you take time throughout this week just to be thankful. You know, it's interesting to me to look back across these last 10 months and realize how much God has actually done in spite of all the things that are going on. You know, Romans 8, 28 says that, it, <coughs> excuse me, I'm choking on myself, that in all things, God gives, uh, God that works good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And, and we discover that, that God really has been working. I hope you can spot that as well. If I choke on my cough drop, anybody know the Heimlich can hear that can do that? Okay. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. How many, how many know what that is? What is it? Ruby's Cube. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you have ever tried to do that? Yeah. How many of you have ever tried and not been able to do that? Oh, okay. Several of you admit that. Really interesting. You know, this thing came out several years ago. Of course, it was, it was, it was a huge, huge hit. Um, interesting. And this really upset me. Uh, do you know that, what the world record is in solving the Ruby's Cube? Anybody want to venture a guess? This was disturbing to me. How would two minutes make you feel? How would one minute make you feel? How would 30 seconds make you feel? Can you believe this? One kid did it in just over three seconds. I would love to meet that kid. I really would. Just for the purpose of slapping him. That's all, that's all I want to do. Yeah. That, I, when I read that, I thought, how can you, how can you, time. It's like, are you kidding me? Um, it, you know, I, I, I've done it before. I actually was able to do it. And the way I did it, and I cut corners a little bit, I actually took the stickers off and was able to glue them all. It works. It works. Hey, hey, just find, you just find an edge. There is a... a there's a guy by the name of Graham Parker. This was such a crazy story. This guy by the name of Graham Parker. He got a Rubik's Cube when he was 19 years old. And he was so excited. And he was working with it. But he couldn't get it. And he wouldn't give up. I mean, it was one of those things, if you've ever had a, a puzzle or something that you just had to solve, well, that's how he was. He just, he just stayed at it. He wouldn't quit. And uh, one day led to two days. Two days led to a week. A week led to a month. You know how long it actually took him to solve it? 26 years. Throw that picture up on the screen. Kid you not, 26 years. This is Graham Parker at 45 years of age. Finally having to go. Now, he, he became obsessed with this thing. I mean, he admitted that when he started and he couldn't get it, he, he would do it for hours on end. He, he developed wrist problems and had to have surgery on his wrist. He, had, he ended up with back problems from leaning over trying to do it. He, ended up, he got married during this time. His wife said, you don't know how many times you know, I threatened him if you don't put that thing away. He confessed that he missed events he was supposed to be at because he was working on it and, 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 and for, you know, forgot that the event was going on. Now, come on, if we're, if we're being honest, that, that's beyond you know, being committed to something. I mean, that's, that's, that's someone who needs a therapist, you know. I mean, I mean, seriously. I mean, that's what it, for 26 years, he couldn't stop. But the other part of it, when you step back, I mean, you gotta give the dude credit. I mean, he was not going to quit. He would just have dogged determination. Well, I kind of want to talk about that today. Um, not a Rubik's Cube, but I do want to talk about that dogged determination that we sometimes need. Um, we're, we're in this series called Maximum Impact, 
And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the story that Jesus tells. It's called the parable of the sower. And it talks about God planting seeds and how do those seeds really grow and really multiply something in our lives. And um, two weeks ago, we, we kicked this off. We, we said, you know, God is always up to something. Um, he's constantly sowing seeds in our life, seeds of his love, seeds of warning, seeds of giving us hope, uh, seeds of wisdom to help us understand. God is, God is constantly, I, I believe with all my heart, I believe that God is speaking to us every single day. The question is simply, are we listening? Are we hearing? Are we seeing? And God is constantly sowing those seeds. Last week, we talked about the part of the parable where it says, just as God is sowing seeds, you know what? There's an enemy. And that enemy is trying to snatch those seeds away. And last week, we talked about how, you know, the enemy tries to steal those things in your life that God wants to do. Today, we want to take another step into this parable. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus as he talks about what it takes for those seeds to really begin to start growing. Are you ready? We're looking at Matthew chapter 13. And in the parable, here's what Jesus says. He says, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon did what? They wilted. They wilted under the hot sun since they didn't have deep roots. What happened to them? They died. Now listen to what Jesus says as he explains what that means. He says the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately they receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, again, I think if we're honest, for almost all of us, this is a part of our story at least sometime along the way. Um, how many times in this journey of faith do we get frustrated? Do we get discouraged? Do we get troubled? Do we simply stop? And you and I both know of people who have, you know, received the word of God and they, you know, they, they accepted Jesus Christ and then somewhere along the way something goes sideways and, and they completely bail on their faith. Some end up going the opposite direction. And yet there are a lot of us, I think, that we receive the word of God and we, and we begin to lean into God a little bit, but then again, somewhere along the way, for whatever reason, we just stop growing. Now, here's the deal. I think for some of it, it's, it's not that we've totally quit on God, but we're not really thriving in our faith the way God wants us to thrive. So how do we, how do, we do that? How, how do we perse persevere? How, how do we keep moving forward when life gets challenging. That's why I called the title of the message today, either get tough or get trampled, baby, you know, get tough or get trampled. Well, how do we do that? You ready? Here we go. I want to give you just three main thoughts today that I hope will help challenge you in your faith. And maybe, maybe if you found your roots not becoming as strong as they need to be, maybe you'll identify one or more of these as the culprit. So what causes that? 
What can we do? Let me give you a few thoughts. Here's the first one. I think for our roots to really become strong, sometimes we have to change our expectations. Sometimes we have to change our expectations. I think any time we enter into a relationship with whether it's a friend or whether it's getting married or, or whether it's our entering to a relationship with God, we have certain expectations of what we think it's going to be like. And often in life, what we discover is it's really different than the way that I thought it would be. And when it's really different than the way that I thought it would be, then then we've got to adjust. Then we've got to, we've got to change. We've got to, we've got to adapt how we're facing this. And I started thinking about this as far as our journey of faith and some of the things that I know were true for me. And, and maybe you can identify with some of these. Maybe some of the expectations that we have to change, maybe you can identify with this. One is, I think sometimes when we come into this, this walk with God, we don't expect persecution. We don't expect persecution. Now, let me put this out on the table before I go any further. I don't think we really understand what persecution is here in the United States. You know, we use that term, and we talk about being persecuted for being Christians. And, and yes, there is pushback from people who don't believe in what we believe and all that kind of stuff. But you don't have to look far outside of the United States to really understand what persecution is. There are people who are literally tortured for being believers. There are people who, who lose their homes because they are believers. There are people who are put to death every single day because they are followers of Christ Jesus. If you think we're being persecuted as a country, man, we, what we go through is nothing compared to what the rest of the world is experiencing, at least not yet here. But we're not ready for that. And, and I think sometimes for us, when, when we accept Jesus Christ as our, our Savior and we get all excited about that and then we go home and what happens, if, what happens if our family isn't excited for us? What happens if you have family members who, who, who think your decision to follow Christ is a stupid decision? Or, or what happens when some of your close friends who, who may not be believers uh, think that you're moving away from them? Or maybe now you won't do some of the things that you used to do and, and they, start, they start distancing themselves and, and you can begin to take that. I remember, you know, I was in ninth grade when I committed my life to Christ and I played sports. And I can remember, you know, just again, as, as an athlete, as a basketball player, you know, being a, being a Christ follower, but yet kind of at the same time, if I'm honest, you know, not really wanting the guys on the team to know I was a Christian because I knew what I would be in for if these guys found out, man, they weren't going to play nice. You know, they were going to mock me. They were going to make fun of me. And, and frankly, I didn't, I didn't want a lot of that. And I, I think sometimes when we, when we commit our life to Christ, we're, not, we're just not prepared for that. Does that make sense? Some of you have been through some of that. I think another one that's really common is I don't think we expect the same amount of problems. I don't think we expect the same amount of problems. You know, when, you're, when people are, in, you know, are, are trying to get you to become a Christian, it's so funny, you know, how we, you know, you know Jesus is the answer, and he is. And, and, but we often kind of present this as, you know, just come to Jesus, and everything in your life will be good. Not. That's not the way it works. I am a big believer that Christ makes our lives infinitely better. But can we be honest? Just because you've committed your life to Christ, it does not mean that you are not going to have problems in this world. In fact, I'm going to tell you that you're probably going to have the same amount of problems as people who aren't Christ followers. But here's the difference. You get to have God with you as you walk through those problems. 
I mean, Jesus was really clear, gang. I mean, he was really clear in John 16, 33 when he said, in this world, you will have troubles. Now, we talk about the promises in God's word. That's not really a promise we want to claim, is it? I mean, come on, how many of you woke up this morning and say, Lord, in your word, you say, in this world, we're going to have problems. Please make sure I get my fair share, you know. That's, that's not really a promise we like to claim. But, but the fact of the matter is, it's true. In this world, you will have problems. But Jesus said, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. In other words, you're not going to be exempt from the struggles of this life. But you are going to have somebody there with you. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with a family going through a really hard experience or sat in a hospital with someone who is facing a really serious thing or stood beside the casket of someone and standing there with a family who are grieving. I can't tell you how many times I've done that and the thought that goes through my mind is how in the world do people without Christ do this? You see, we'll still have family problems. We'll still get sick and end up in the hospital, and we still will have people close to us who will die. But we will not be alone. Amen? And sometimes we don't expect there to be as many problems. Or how about this one? I know some of you have discovered this. We don't expect Christian people to be so mean. We commit our life to Christ, and we don't expect Christian people to be so mean. Come on, it's just us. How many of you would be honest enough to admit in your journey of faith, you've encountered at least a couple of mean Christians along the way? Yeah. How many of you, they're sitting on your pew right now. You, you, want, you want to point them out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's just true. It's just true. And, and we're not prepared for that. You know, we're, we're not prepared. Again, especially if you've not really had any contact with the church or Christian people, and you make a commitment to Christ, you're, you think everybody's going to be nice. I mean, if they've got Jesus, wouldn't they be like Jesus? And, and you discover, you know what, that's, that's just not always true. I'll never forget, um, I was reading John 16 in my personal uh, Bible time one morning, and in John 16, 2, Jesus was trying to, to prepare his disciples for uh, what was ahead and the struggles they would face. And he said, there's going to come a time when there are going to be people who are going to try to kill you because they think they're doing a favor for God. Let that sink in for a second. There are going to be people who are going to try to kill you because they think they're doing a favor for God. I remember writing in the margin of my Bible, religious people are dangerous. And I know some of us, I promise you, some of us have maybe even grown a bit discouraged in our journey of faith. Because we've had people who haven't always been kind. Now, I'll never forget um, one Sunday morning, had a young man in our church and uh, had a lot of tattoos. And, and he told me later, he said, you know, when I, I've stayed away from church because he said, I've, I've been to churches before and had people, you know, get upset by my tattoos and people who have said I can't really have those things or shouldn't have those things and blah, 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 and that's of Satan and on and on and on. And he said, so I've really stayed away and kind of shied away. But that particular Sunday morning, he, he said he was sitting here in our service and he said, I just kept waiting. He said, I kept looking around, looking for the eyes that were going to look at me and go, oh, who's he, you know, and, and all of that. And he said, after the service was over, he said, when the service was done, he said, all of a sudden from behind me, he said, there was a woman who tapped my old 
older lady who tapped my arm and he said I turned around and she was looking at my tattoos and I thought oh here it comes and she said she leaned forward and she said nice artwork and he said I was surprised surprised by someone being kind you know sometimes when we encounter people who wear the name of our Lord and they aren't always nice. Sometimes that can discourage us and it can slow down or we can give up on our faith. Another expectation is sometimes we, we don't expect God to say no. You know, when we hear about how much God loves us and we experience that incredible grace that floods over us as we begin that journey, we don't expect God to always say no to us. I mean, there are times that catches us off guard. Come on, it's just us. How many of you, come on, some of you have walked with God a long time. How many of you, be honest enough to admit, there were things before that you have prayed for and you were sure God was gonna say yes and yet he said no. Anybody? I've had that. I mean, I could give you three or four examples right away that come to my mind of things that I was, I was sure God was gonna say yes and he didn't. And I had to learn, how do I deal with that? And I had to make, uh, come to a conclusion that I hope you've come to, and that is this. There is a God, but I am not him. Amen? I'm not him, and you're not him. And we are his children, and here's the great deal about that. We can ask, we can ask him for anything. We are his children, but he is our father, and he has a right to say no. Let me give you one more. Another expectation we don't know, aren't always prepared for is if we don't expect our walk with God to take effort. We don't expect our walk with God to take effort, especially a lot of effort. Now, put a little star by that if you're taking notes today because here's what I want you to get. In my experience, this has been one of the biggest ones, I think, that really causes people problems. It's, it's like... We come to God and we make this decision to, to, to be in a relationship with him. We accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and we confess our need. But we forget that that is not the end of the journey. That is only the beginning. That's only the first step. There are lots more steps with that. Amen? A lot more. And I think sometimes we're not, we're not prepared for the fact that relationships, look at me, relationships, any kind of relationship that you're in, if it's, if it's a relationship with another individual, then it takes effort. It takes that kind of work. Amen? Have you experienced that? I'll never forget. <laughs> Wanda and I were living in Phoenix, and my mother had, had passed away, and it was the first uh, parent that we had lost. And it kind of rocked our world a bit, and it kind of made us think you know, kind of very candidly about life and death, and, and it kind of led us into a conversation along the way about, um, you know, what would we want to do, you know, and kind of started asking each other, you know, we've lived around the country, and it's kind of like, wow, where, where would you want to be buried if something happened to you now? Um, you know, uh, where, where would you want to be buried or what would that look like? And just kind of got into that. And then, then that kind of led us to, you know, the next piece of that conversation, which we were, you know, a lot younger then. 
and uh, asking the question, would you get married again? You know, and Wanda, you know, said to me, you know, would you get married again? And I very quickly said, yes, you know, and, and she kind of, you know, and, and it was just one of those, you know, I said, I don't, I don't do well alone. Now, I'll, I'm going to, full disclosure, I would tell you that I've changed my mind on that, that at my age, I would not do that again. But I, I said, yes, I said, yes. Um, and I looked at her and I said, well, how about you? Wouldn't you get married again? And my wife, without even missing a beat, my wife went, oh, no. I'm done. I would never get married again. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought about it for a second, and then I went, well, of course you wouldn't. I mean, once you've had a man like this, I mean, where do you, where do you go, you know? <laughs> and Wanda's very quickly like, oh, no, get over yourself. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. And here's what she said. I, she said this. I, I kid you not. She said this, and it floored me. Here's what she said. It's too hard of work. Now, how many of you married couples understand that completely? Now, my wife loves me. I have no doubt about that. She loves me dearly. I love her dearly. But I'm going to stand before you and look you in the eye and tell you that to be in love and to stay in love and to be close in a relationship takes an awful lot of hard work. It takes an awful lot of conversation. It takes an awful lot of working through difficulty. It takes an awful lot of problem solving. It takes an awful lot of forgiving. It takes an awful lot of understanding. And can I and help you understand? It takes the same with God. When you enter into this journey with God, it takes effort. Amen? Let me give you a second thought kind of connected to that. And that is, don't confuse emotion with devotion. Don't confuse emotion with devotion. Now, I want you to notice when Jesus was telling this parable and he was talking about the seed, he said, there are those who receive it with joy. In other words, the seed gets scattered and they see it and, yes, I want that. And sometimes that's kind of how it is in, our, in, in, in this faith journey, that God reveals something. Oh, yes, I want that. I want forgiveness for my sin. I, I want God's help through the crisis. I, I, I want God in my life. And, 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 and we respond very quickly to that. But you, would you agree with me? This journey of faith is a lot more than emotion. It takes being devoted to God. I, I love how, how John frames this in John chapter 2. Listen to what he says. He says, because of the miraculous signs that Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. Read it with me. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Now, what's he getting at? Jesus, Jesus was doing these miracles. People were seeing what Jesus was doing, and they were, they were, the adrenaline was pumping, man. Look at what Jesus did. That is so crazy. And there was this high. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And Jesus is looking at him like, you have no idea what it is that you want to be a part of. He knew what was in their heart. He knew they liked the excitement of the moment. But do you really want the journey of faith? 
You know, some of you I know had kind of had my experience where, you know, I committed my life to Christ at camp. <laughs> and youth camp on Friday night, you know, on Friday night when everybody gets saved, you know, at camp. And, you know, there's, there's lots of tears and there's lots of hugging and we're all excited about Jesus and, and then we go home. And we go back to our homes and we go back to our schools and we go back to all of the challenges that, coming, that come with living a Christ-following life in this upside-down world. And it's real easy that once we come down off of that spiritual high, it's easy to forget the commitments that we've made. Amen? That's why I put on, on your outline, you know, Jesus doesn't care how high you jump in excitement, but how diligently you follow in commitment. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. <clears throat> young lady in that uh, picture, her name is Monica. Monica and her husband um, were Christ followers. They were walking to church um, in the African country where they live. They were walking to church on a road as they headed across that Sunday morning when they were attacked by a group of Islamic militants. And they tortured her husband in front of her and then killed him. And then they beat on her, slashed her throat with a machete, threw her into a ditch to die. But Monica didn't die. She was found by some folks. They took her to the hospital where she recovered from her wounds. She was raising a little boy. That's her son who's 20 now that's sitting, sitting beside her. As she recuperated and came back, just think this thought with me. You've just been publicly attacked, nearly killed, watched your husband die for your faith. How vibrant public of a Christian are you going to be now? Well, Monica stayed strong in her commitment to Christ. In fact, after the attack, as she healed, she had another man who became a, a suitor who wanted, to, wanted to, to, to take her as a wife and found out that he had multiple wives. And she said, no, that, that is not a part of my faith. I, I can't do that. She chose a hard road of deciding to raise her son all on her own. She learned how to sew, and she began to uh, make things that she could begin to sell to, to fend for herself, and she raised her son. But here's what I, this blew me away. Monica not only stayed true to her commitment to Jesus Christ, stayed faithful in going to church, Monica began to go around to other churches and share her testimony as an encouragement to other believers, knowing that she could very well be seen and killed for the faith that she maintained. Look at me, gang. That's not emotion. That's devotion. And somewhere on this journey, I, I don't know about you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, Wanda calls me a heart person. You know, I'm a, I'm a heart person. I have a lot of emotions, and that's why I get into worship, man, and I love, I love to be emotional in worship. I love, to, I love to clap. I love to raise my hands. I love to move. Uh, I, love to, I, love to, I love to sing. Uh, I love to cry. 
But this walk with God is a lot more than emotion. It takes commitment. Let me give you one more. Don't just make a decision for Jesus. Go deep with him. Don't just make a decision, Jesus. Go deep with him. You know, we, we say that phrase so often, you know, make a decision for Christ. And yeah, there is a point in your life that I hope if you haven't, you'll make that that you will make a decision to become a Christ follower. But you've got to understand this. Making a decision for Jesus is just barely the first step. Jesus wants more than just believers. He wants more than people who have made a decision. He wants disciples of his, followers of his. That means you have to go deep. In fact, look at the passage of Scripture from Proverbs. I love this. Proverbs 12, 3 says, wickedness never brings stability. Read it with me, church. But the godly have, the godly have what? Deep roots. Look at me. Just a question. Do you? What does it take to have deep roots? Let me give you a little litmus test. You ready? I put the word deep as an acrostic. Here you go. Daily time with God. Daily time with God. You can't go deep with God unless you have daily time with God. You can't. Um, throw that image up on the screen. I saw this. I just thought this was cute. You've seen this all the time. Seven days without prayer makes one week. And it does. Amen? And it's true. And the same is true with, with God's word. We need to be sharing our heart with God daily, but we need to be hearing the heart of God daily. Look at me, please. You got to hear this. If the only nourishment you get in your spiritual journey is one hour on a Sunday morning, you're going to struggle all of your life. And you may limp along and you may not completely turn your back or any of that. But I'm going to tell you, your roots are never going to go as deep as they need to go until you get to a place where that's a, a, a daily nurturing with him. You know, several years ago, about five years ago, I started writing a daily devotional. And you know why I started writing that? Not for the, just the exercise of writing every day. I started writing that so that we as a church could have a daily time to sit down with a passage of scripture and just let God speak to our hearts. And the thing I can tell you are people whose roots start going down deeper, there are people who have that daily time with God. The, X, the, the E, first E stands for extract the boulders. Extract the boulders. What do I mean? I mean, what, what are the things beneath the surface that are, are keeping your roots from going down? Stay with me. What, what, are the, what are the addictions in our life that we haven't conquered? What are those things that, that God keeps wanting us to deal with that we're not dealing with? What are the attitudes in our life that have become hardened and are, and are really blocking God from, from speaking or us from hearing? What are the toxic people in our life that we refuse to let go of who keep drawing us away from God? Somewhere, if we're really going to go deep, we've got to deal with those boulders. The second E stands for exercise your gifts exercise your gifts. If you really want to go deep with God, begin to discover not only what it is that God wants to say to you, but, but begin to allow God to use you. You will never grow more than in those times when you step up and allow God to use you. 
it, it's so amazing. Um, Wands and I had a, a, a friend, uh, a next door neighbor actually in our church in uh, Olathe, Kansas, a gal who started coming to, to church, committed her life to Christ. She had zero church background, uh, had not been, been in church before. And it was so amazing to watch her take that step of faith and then began to grow. And along the way, I don't know if it was Wanda or someone else who suggested to her that she become an assistant in our children's classes to be a helper. And she said, I don't really know anything. And she wanted to say, you don't have to know anything, uh, but that's the great piece because you'll, you'll learn as you go. And so she did. She signed up, became one of his. And here's, here was, so here's a woman who knew nothing about the Bible. Now, every week, she's sitting in class with the children, helping the kids as the teacher is telling these Bible stories she's never heard before. Guess what began to happen for her? She began to grow. She was hearing these stories. As she was serving, she was growing. Does that make sense to you? And it happens to every single person I know who lets God really use them. And the P stands for this. People who strengthen you. Not only do you need to extract the toxic people in your life who steal your faith, You need to surround yourself with some people who love you, some people who encourage you, some people who pray for you. Look at me. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. This statement is still true that God said at the beginning in the garden. It's not good to be alone. I sat at lunch with a a Christian leader uh, here in our community not long ago. He had asked to get together, and as we were talking, he was just telling me about just some of the challenges he was dealing with as a leader in, in his journey. And as we talked, I, I asked him the question, who are you sharing this with? Who, who are you letting in to, to pray for you, and who are you being vulnerable with? Who, who's coming alongside of you? And he looked at me and said, I'm not. And I said, you have to. He said, I know. He said, I don't know. Maybe it's pride. Maybe not. I said, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You got to get past that. Because God never intended for us to do that by ourselves. I can't do it by myself. And I, and I shared with him, I said, don't you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was walking in to pray? And, and he, the Bible says he, his, that his, his, his soul, he said that my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And he turned to a few close friends and he said, would you pray with me? And I looked at my friend and I said, if Jesus needed a few close friends to pray with him, I promise you, you're probably going to need that too. And we all need that. And when we're in God's word and when we're removing the boulders and we're letting God use us and we're getting some people in our life, guess what happens, gang? Our roots begin to go deep. Rachel, come on up. I love this passage of scripture that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 15. It's at the bottom of your outline. And Paul says, so my dear brothers and sisters, read it with me. Be strong and immovable. Read it again. Be strong and Immovable. Say it one more time as a declaration. Be strong and immovable. Now look at me. Make eye contact. 
Is that a good description of your faith? Is that a good description of where you are right now on your journey of faith with God? Are your roots down deep? Are you strong? Are you immovable? You know, not that hard times aren't happening, but are you able to endure? You know, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have problems. They're going to come at you left and right. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And I really believe that, man, when our, when our roots go down deep and our journey with God is strong, that even when those storms come at us, God lifts us up. And we can ride those storms out. I'm not going to lie to you today. I'm not going to tell you that if you accept Christ as your Savior or if you do these things that you're never going to have struggles anymore. That's not true. You are. But how are you going to deal with those struggles? My prayer for us today as Rachel leads us in this song, is our, that our prayer would be, Lord, I don't want to just make a decision for you. I, I, I don't want my, my roots to simply be in shallow soil. Lord, I want my roots to go down deep. I need my roots to go down deep. I want to be strong and immovable. Jesus, you were really clear in this parable that for us to endure what the world is going to throw at us. Our roots have to go down deep. We can't afford to stay in the shallows. That shallow soil is just not going to give us enough depth. It's not going to give us enough security. It's not going to hold us fast when the winds blow and the storms howl. Our faith will begin to cave. We'll grow discouraged. We'll give up. Father, you, we need a faith that will last. We need a journey that will endure. We need a perseverance and a resilience that can stand up against whatever the enemy throws our way. And so I pray for each one of us today. You, you know what it is that may be in our life that's keeping us from growing. You know what we need to to add for our roots to go down deeper than they are. You know the things that we need to remove from our life. And you know the things that we need to add to our life. Lord, you promised from the very beginning you'd never leave us or forsake us. And that you would do your part. Lord, help us today to, to take that step and make that commitment to do ours. Lord, we don't want to just survive in this journey of faith. We want to thrive. We want our lives to have maximum impact. So help us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to take our roots down deep. In your precious name, we pray today. And everyone said, amen, amen. 